Hello, and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Dr. Thomas Oakley, Chief Executive of Feedback Medical, a specialist technology company providing software for those in the field of medical imaging. Thomas, hello. Hello. Hi. Very nice to be, uh, be on with you. Well, thank you for coming on. We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I mean, certainly from the perspective of my company, leadership very much is about creating vision, but then bringing people along that vision with you. And I think we've, we particularly have a very clear vision of what we want to do within healthcare. Uh, healthcare is one of those sectors where actually you've got to have a crystal clear vision right. of what your benefits are um, in order to be able to actually change it. It's quite a hard system to operate within. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? I would say in terms of leadership, what I try to do is to help others reach the conclusions uh, when faced with the problems rather than to try to dictate a, a, a clear path that I'm laying out. It's really important, I think, with leadership to actually get other people's views and then to assess the information that's coming to you. And for them to have any ownership of the decision, it has to be something that's done collaboratively. Right. So I would say my leadership is very much uh, just acting as a, uh, almost as a discussion host. <laughs> Well, um, let's go back to the very beginning of your career uh, when you were first starting out in the working world. Was there any particular individual or circumstance that formed the way that you lead today? Um, I think there's been a, a number of influences for me personally. Um, I've always been a great admirer uh, of some of the sort of tech pioneers uh, as I was growing up, so people like Jobs and Gates who weren't afraid to do things a bit differently and, and push boundaries and demanded high quality um, in terms of output and, and direction from all their, their staff. And that's something that we are trying to replicate within feedback, that kind of high quality output with a very clear and bold mission focus. Now, within your organization, uh, you lead a, a decently large-sized team. What are the challenges in handling so many humans? I think for us specifically, because we operate across three different centers, um, and we have staff at each of those locations, actually working remotely and maintaining that uniform focus and clarity of delivery across distance is difficult. So we get over that by having regular sessions together, either remotely or by bringing the team together at a sort of regular monthly interval so that we are all aligned, all clearly aware of where we are and progress that's being made. Uh, and just really keeping that focus. Now, <clears throat> of course, people are always at their best. Uh, sometimes issues crop up, whether or not uh, someone's ill or there's a, a conflict within the workplace. How do you resolve this? So I, I think we we try to support our staff, especially in times of illness. And by working as a, a cohesive team and a relatively focused team, 
it, we enable people to work slightly outside of their roles and to cross cover. So we find that actually we can uh, absorb some of the, uh, the, the sort of problems that we might encounter in terms of illness or, or absence purely because we can operate as a cohesive unit. Now, of course, leadership doesn't just take the form of uh, a business leader or a leader in the medical field, but also a much wider and broader scope. Now, if I was to ask you to objectively identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Oh, gosh, that's a very hard one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think for me, um, given my background in in tech and our tech focus, I, I think it is probably Steve Jobs for me. And the reason I say that is because of the clarity of focus, the boldness of his mission, and the quality of delivery against that. Now, what sort of lessons can you draw from uh, jobs that you can place into your everyday leadership? I, I think the the key is an insistence on absolute focus, quality, and output. And uh, again, ha- having that, that boldness of vision and to pass that boldness to your team so that they similarly are going out and challenging the status quo and trying at all times to move things forward in a positive direction. Now, of course, uh, moving forwards in the business also uh, incurs uh, bringing on new staff or promoting from within. What's your advice to the leaders of tomorrow? I would say get diversity in as early as you can, because as you grow, it's very difficult to do that. And actually, you can't you can't sense check your ideas without diverse thought inclusion, and I don't mean just having a, a certain number of women or a certain number of ethnic groups within your organisation. I'm talking about diversity of thought and approach, so that you have a very good quality soundboard and people who are not afraid to challenge your views and not afraid to challenge the data that's coming at them. So therefore, you always get a robust and an accurate decision. Do you feel that there's enough diversity of thought within workplaces today? No, and I think especially for us within tech and being a, a relatively small company within tech, it's very difficult for us to actually get the diversity in that we desperately want. Um, it's something we, we're really focused on but even when we are going out to recruit we find that we are not getting um, we're not getting the breadth of candidates applying and that's something that we really want to to work with collectively with other other companies in the wider industry to make sure that that does happen and to encourage people from all groups to to come forward now unfortunately our time together is very quickly drawing to its close but what does the next 12 months have in store for Feedback Medical? So Feedback is looking very much at how we can equip frontline clinical teams with medical imaging and communication around that. And so what we're really looking to do is to get this out to as many clinical spaces as possible, both within the NHS and within the private sector in the UK, and then simultaneously to stand that same opportunity up in other countries because we feel that we can have a meaningful impact on healthcare delivery in every healthcare system. So really for us, it's going out as fast and as hard as we can 
to get our product in front of as many clinicians as possible and ultimately end up helping as many patients as possible. Well, Thomas, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and I very much hope that you come back on the program at some point in the near future. Uh, Thomas, thank you. Thank you very much. That was Dr. Thomas Oakley, Chief Executive of Feedback Medical. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it, and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where... Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He um, He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd work with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach, as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course, a great manager in Sir Alf Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your, your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. 
although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you it can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life but yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years he it was quite clear who was the boss he was quite very very strict probably at a time it may be overly strict but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organization, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the 
um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing, and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, Norway, I think, in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games. And I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had the, the impact of thinking I, at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into him because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well and more than that whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them and there really must have been moments maybe there weren't but uh, let us know in that 66 competition the prolonged pressure on all of you you know the weight of a nation did it get to you oh not for me personally no i I think and i don't not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back out, mm. so I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. It, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall, they were great, hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so 
I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot in the ball and waited to just have a, have a glance around, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you into. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You've want, you got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a... a at a dinner in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did... Uh, um, and again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... It would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, um, well, it, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think 
some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah. The answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we we're successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back on an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was 
a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great and players. You... We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude <laughs> alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is showed... team. The word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's. You're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over it, go over the past, and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.